1059 The Region, in partnership with REMAX Prime Properties, present On the Market, real estate advice that works for you. Have a real estate question? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059 The Region or email us at info at 1059theregion.com. You're listening to 105.9 The Region, and welcome to On The Market, York Region's only radio real estate show. I'm station manager Tina Cortez, and my co-host and the expert on all matters real estate is Asif Khan with Remax Prime Properties. Asif, how are you doing? Great. How are you? I'm good. So let's, uh, let's look at uh, where we are in mid-March. Well, York Region's market continues. Like the momentum that we built up in January and February just continues through March. And, you know, looking at... As we head out of March break, March break is traditionally quieter, but as we head out, the first week of March, we saw almost 300 homes change hands in York Region, which is phenomenal. If you look at January, January started off gangbusters. We had 624 home sales. February started off a little bit quieter, but really picked up steam as we started to continue through the month. And we saw 843 homes change hands in February. So as we got into March... You know, we, we were hoping that momentum carries through. You know, first eight or nine days of March, we sold almost 300 homes, which is phenomenal for That's York Region. And we will probably break the uh, 1,000 to 1,200 home mark for March. So, you know, I, I always say it's, you know, we've been talking about how unfair it is to compare it to 2017. That would be like us comparing this now to 2008 and say, you know, we're triple the amount of sales. So it's it's been a great start to the year. If we compare it month to month as as the momentum continues, you see how York Region has gone from, you know, 624 to 843, which is just over a 30 percent increase. And now if we hit a thousand or twelve hundred, that's going to be another 20 percent increase. So the market continues to pick up steam. Is there a hot area in York Region that you're noticing, or is it across the board? It's been across the board. Uh, wow. Markham continues to lead. Markham, Vaughan, Richmond Hill has been hot. Uh, it's, it's almost every market that you look at in the region is building momentum. So as we get into March and April, you're going to start to see activity just continue to f- to flourish here. March break is usually when people are getting their homes ready. Is that what happens during this week? Yeah, March break, Easter break, and because both of those fall in March, well, obviously, uh, but with Easter break being in March as well, you're going to see a lot of listings coming up uh, within the next week and, and within the next two weeks especially. When you say that people are getting their homes ready to sell and put them on the market, what are they doing? They're cleaning up, they're decluttering, they're painting, and Traditionally, this is a great time for it because everyone's home. People take March break off. So you've got the people that go away for March break, and then you've got the people that are home just taking care of their houses to get them on the market, cleaning up the gardens. The home show's on this week, so you're going to get a lot of ideas from from there as well. And there's a lot of first-time buyers out there right now. And why is that? It's It's typically wedding season. So okay. there's a lot of wedding shows out there. People are going there. They're getting excited about their future. Universities are starting to, to you know, get to the end of their year. People are graduating. They're looking at where they want to be. So traditionally, this is when the first-time buyers are out there. And, and what are you noticing in terms of, you've said uh, the first eight or nine days of March were really hot. Are you noticing that it's, um, it's detached homes, it's uh, single-family homes, it's condos? What is it that is so hot right now? 
detached homes and condos, I mean, even the attached, like the, the high density housing, like uh, semi detached and townhouses, it's across the board. Where we're finding it a little more quiet is the luxury market. And that usually takes off a little bit later because you've got the smaller home selling. Those people are going to move up to the larger luxury homes. So that starts to take off more towards May and June. Uh, whereas right now it's a, it's a typical market, typical early spring market. Terrific. Okay, when we come back, step-by-step step, for the first-time home buyers. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. I'm station manager Tina Cortez, and my co-host is Asif Khan with REMAX Prime Properties. Thank you, Tina. Joining us now is Peter Ricketts, financial advisor. And Peter has been a regular on our show and joins us now. And we're going to be speaking about first-time home buyers. Peter, welcome. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for having me again. Peter, we were just talking about numbers and how the average price seems to continue to increase in the GTA. And for a first-time home buyer, it's you know the best time to get into the market is right now. And Maybe you can take us through a few of the steps that you look for when you're qualifying first-time homebuyers. Well, first is obviously going to be credit. So you have to make sure that your credit is good because that will allow you to qualify for the low rates. If you have bad credit, then we can't go to the traditional lender. We're going to have to go on the B side. And then rates are going to actually be higher for you, for the for the buyer. And then that's going to increase monthly monthly mortgage payments. So credit is huge for me. And so let's just take one step or half a step back. Yep. Um, how do you establish that good credit, especially if you're young, maybe you're just out of university, you're just starting your first job. How do you get that good credit? Well, you want to get, and a lot of parents aren't going to like what I have to say right now, you want to get a credit card. So you want to get, you want to have um, two credit lines established as fast as possible. So that a credit card, maybe a car loan, uh, a lot of parents today are buying kids' vehicles, Put it in your kid's name. So make sure that the payments are made. A lot of people don't understand that. If you miss payments, that's going to affect your credit. Even on a credit card, if, you, if your limit's $1,000 and say your, your, your payment for the month is, I don't know, 20 bucks, make that payment. If you miss that payment, that's going to affect your credit. Another thing that affects credit is limit. So bank want, banks want to know that you have access to this credit, but you're not using it all. So I tell clients to have keep it at 75% loan to value. So that meaning if you have a $1,000 um, credit card, it's $1,000 your max, you don't want to go over $750. That's really good advice. Yeah. If you, do, if you go over $750, then that's going to affect your credit. Mm. Also, I heard uh, one, uh, there was a, a client of ours that did do that. They got credit cards for their kids and then they put them in their safety deposit box. So when they went to apply, even though they had these credit cards, they had never used them. So that pretty much said that they had no credit. Cause Absolutely. And I've had clients say, I've used my credit card and say I bought gas or I bought groceries. And when I went home, I paid off the bill right away. And I said, no, no, you can't do that. You have to, you have to let it register. So you have to let the company see that you use the credit, send, issue you a bill. When the bill comes, pay your credit. It's not, you're going to, a lot of people are scared. I don't want to. I don't want to use up a lot of my credit. I don't want to have bad credit. I don't want to get. I don't want to miss a payment. So they use their credit card. They go home. Um, they pay it right away. That's not establishing credit because it's not. It hasn't hit 
Equifax yet. There's nothing that's you, you have to let it register. You have to let that bill come to your house. You have to, or else it's like you said, you're going to put it in a in a in a safety deposit box, and it's you have to get that established credit. That makes a lot of sense now that you say it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a lot of us go through those steps where we're thinking, you know what? No, I don't want it. I want it off my mind. I want it off my to-do list, and I want to pay it off. And I think registering it and letting it sit there and not letting it get overdue, obviously, but paying it on time makes a lot of sense. What about just having um, uh, a bank account for your kids? Does that not count as having establishing some credit, or that doesn't count? It, it doesn't count, but- I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't. You have to look at, again, to establish credit, you want to have access to money and you want the, you want to be able to be, be in control of that. So the banks want to see that you are, you want to have, you have control of that. So again, you want to stay under 75% loan to value whatever, with whatever limit that you have, but use it. Pay it off, use it, pay it off, use it. Having a bank account isn't really going to do anything for you because you don't know, it's not telling me whether or not you can pay your debt. Okay, so let's get beyond that. that first step for first-time home buyers. Let's say they've got they've established their good credit. Now what? You need a down payment. So a lot of people, a lot of parents today with the way that the 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 housing market's going are gifting down payments. Um there's also a And you made a key point there, gifting versus Loaning. Yes, you, it, you 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 have to gift the down payment if they say it's a loan. Well, that loan needs to be repaid back. So that's gonna hurt they you in qualifying value. because say it's fifty thousand dollars. Well, that's a fifty thousand dollar debt that you're gonna have to service. That's gonna go against your debt service ratio. So you have to you have to be able to say that you're gifting it and it's not a loan. So. All that also has to come from an immediate family member. That can't be a friend down the street is going to give me $50,000 to pay for a house. That's not, that's not how that works. Now, are there rules that the money has to be in the account for so many days? Or I've heard a lot of different things that you know parents will be giving money, but does the money have to – I think there has to be a, a trail of where the money came from, how it was deposited, where it was deposited. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. Yes, they're, they're, the money should be in an account for 90 days. Uh, if you're gifting it to a son or daughter and say it was, I don't know, 10 days ago was deposited into your account, I have to, as uh, a financial coach, there has to be a trail. So it has to be, I have to then go to the parents to find out, okay, the money's been in your account and you, you gifted it to your kids and it's been there for in your account for longer than 30 or at least 90 days. Then it's okay. We can't just we can't just have these lump sums of money coming in and there's no paper trail. Mm-hmm. It, it's there's the yeah, strict rules against that. So we talk a lot on this show about the bank of mom and dad. Is it safe for mom and dad to just give the deposit money? Shouldn't it be registered in in some way, shape, or form? Form? That's going to be a. I would like to say yes, but that's going to be specific to each family member so there's going to be families that you know my kids are okay um i I don't worry about it here's here's whatever dollar amount and there's going to be families where yeah i need i want it registered i want to make sure that it's okay i want my kid to be you know taken care of safe all all that stuff so yeah there's i agree with you i think it should be but uh, there's a lot of parents that just I have a question. I'm thinking out loud here, but mm. instead of registering it as a mortgage where it counts against their loan-to-value ratio or their debt service ratio, 
what if they registered a, a personal property security agreement or you know some sort yeah, of security? Yeah, you can do that. that. I would just say I would just say have it have it secured some way. Mm-hmm. I, I don't as a professional that's trying to qualify um, buyers. I wouldn't I wouldn't register it as a mortgage because that's going to hurt your debt service ratio. But if you want that security, then have some sort of agreement in place. I would definitely agree with that. For sure. Okay, so I'm a first time buyer. I've got the good credit. I've got my deposit. Now what? Now what we look at affordability. So what can you afford? So now there's, well, the stress test is obviously going to help with that, but it's affordability. A lot of people think that they can, they want, I'm sure as if you see this all the time, where they walk into this beautiful house or they've seen it online and they, well, I want that because it has everything that I want and it has the pool, it has the bathroom, it has the shower and it's, well, it's way out of your price range. How are you going to qualify for that? Well, sometimes we get a rude awakening where we want this elaborate house and comes down to qualifying for it and it's you're not even close it doesn't add up it doesn't add up so what do you say to clients like that asif we we usually put them on a five-year plan or a 10-year plan and say you know let's let's go with the starter home and let's work our way up to your dream home and that way we're putting them into a position where you know, wherever they're buying, you're looking at it as an investment so that you're making money off of that property and you're able to use the equity that you're building to go to your next house. So you don't need that extra cash. So we have these conversations all the time, especially with first time buyers. We deal with a lot of people coming out of university that, you know, they're, they're professionals, they're lawyers or dentists or doctors. So in five years, their position is going to change significantly. And when you look at, uh, you know, putting them in, we try to put them in a newer subdivision, maybe under two years old, where as the subdivision grows and the amenities are put in, their house is uh, you know, appreciating at a higher rate than some of the older areas. That way, you know, as their area increases, their income's increasing, and they're able to go into another house, you know, at the end of their mortgage term, maybe three years or five years, and that's how we position that. Okay. Peter, okay. any other advice for those first-time buyers? We've talked about credit, we've talked about deposit, we've talked about affordability and being realistic. Is there a final thought you can leave us with? Yeah, absolutely. Don't forget about closing costs. So a lot of a lot of people, when they're budgeting, they they have their down payment, they look at what they can afford, and then they forget. Well, I still have to close this property. So there's land transfer tax. There's lawyers that you're gonna have to get involved with. Just make sure that that's in play and that's part of your plan. Because I, I have a lot of clients that forget about that part. Oh, I need another ten thousand dollars. Why? Also, when you're looking for a new a new property, make sure that you have a lawyer look over your, your document because you could be hit with, you may have to pay for a tree or you may have to pay for this fence because you're, you're, um, development you're on a corner. Yeah, development charges, you're on a corner lot. Like, just make sure that you have a professional look over your documents and then... Nothing falls through the Nothing cracks. Nothing falls through the cracks. I'm going to add one more thing, and this is uh, something that happened to uh, one of my colleagues' clients. So after they purchased their house, got qualified, everything, they thought, wow, I'm moving into a brand new house. I'm going to go out and buy some furniture, but I'm not going to pay for it for three years. So I'm going to go and, and use this deal that this furniture company has. And uh, they went out and bought about $20,000 in furniture, no payments for three years, but that hits their credit. That absolutely and hits their credit. just when they were about to close on their property, that showed up and disqualified them from getting their mortgage. Wow, yeah. what a shocker. I'll say this. Uh, I tell everybody that I do a mortgage for, if we qualify you today, don't buy anything, don't do anything until you your house closes. 
or your condo closes. If you buy a car, if you buy furniture, if you buy anything that's substantial, that's gonna that's gonna hit your credit. The banks always do a last credit uh, last um, check credit check before closing. So if there's twenty thousand dollars or there's thirty thousand dollars because you bought a car, that's gonna affect your your ratios. Absolutely, my goodness. Let's talk about sticker shock right there. Okay, thank you, Peter. We'll look forward to our our next conversation next month. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Peter. When we come back, we get to your real estate questions and the hot listing of the week. And just a reminder, if you missed any part of our show, go to 1059theregion.com and click on On the Market. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. I'm station manager Tina Cortez, and my co-host is Asif Khan with REMAX Prime Properties. Time now for our listener questions. Asif, you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Our first question comes from Susie in Woodbridge. She wants to buy an investment condo in Oshawa near the university and college. What do you think about this idea? That's a great idea. I mean, rental-wise, there's always demand in that area. You can look at condos. You can look at single-family homes. Uh, there's a lot of options available. And, you know, we've put a lot of people that are looking for investment properties in that area because of the demand and, and the the low vacancy rates. So everything in the Durham region, it's very easy to rent out, especially if you're you know near UOIT or any of the uh, colleges, Durham College, any anything like that. Is Durham region or any university town a good place to invest then? It really is, and and that's why even with Markham, we're looking at the downtown Markham area as probably the next hot market for investors because of York University coming in. So anytime you're near there, you have pretty much guaranteed number of students that are going to be renting. And what you want to make sure is obviously you qualify these students, and and a lot of people will either force them to rent for a year, or if they're doing a nine-month lease, then you adjust the rental so that you're still getting a one-year uh, rental rate over the nine months. And are there other precautions to take, especially if you're renting um, to a university student, university crowd? What do you do to protect actually the, the structure of your home or your investment? A lot of people will put in conditions where they will come by every month or they'll come by every two weeks in order to take a look at the properties. And uh, another one of our clients has a housekeeper that goes in every week. So that's like his eyes when he's not there. So the housekeeper goes in and cleans up, you know, the common areas of the place and is able to make note of anything that's happened. Or, and also the tenants know that someone's going to be coming in every week. So they're more vigilant too. Right. So they can look out for damages, etc. Right. Okay. Our next question comes from Ingrid in Maple. She lives in a large family home and now she's there alone and she's considering taking in a renter. What advice or precautions should she take before she heads down this road? That's a great question as well. And that's more of a comfort feel. You want to make sure that you're really screening who's coming in, especially if they're living in the same area as you. If it's a basement apartment, it's a little bit different. But if you're renting out a room in your house, you want to make sure that you're comfortable with it. You want to make sure that you do proper screening, call references, make sure they have good credit, 
all the basics that you would do with a, a typical tenant landlord relationship. But if they're if they're living in the same space as you, you want to make sure that you go above and beyond that and know who you're letting into your house. Do you think that um, you should also have a separate entrance for the tenant? Is there some kind of interior door as well so that there there's a bit of a line that no one is crossing? How does all that work? That would be safest, and especially if you're you know, subdividing. So it may be that you separate it by floor and, and the kitchen is the common area and the laundry room is the common area so that you have your separate space and the tenant has their separate space. Again, it really depends on your comfort level with the tenant and uh, who you're letting in. Okay. Our next question comes from Mario in Bradford. He bought a new built home in Bradford and uh, his bank has now told him with the new rules, he doesn't qualify for a mortgage. What are his options? Again, great question, and we have seen this a lot over the last three or four months. So what's happening is with the new stress test, with people having to qualify at the higher rate, now their debt-to-service ratios uh, don't meet what the bank needs in order to finance them. And we're seeing a lot of assignment sales, and what that means is you're actually selling the agreement of purchase and sale because the house isn't there yet. You're going to be competing with the builder because sometimes they have inventory. You're going to be competing with other people whose houses are ready and on the market. So your options are, you basically have three options. So your first option is to negotiate with the builder to say, what will it cost me to get out of this deal? Hmm. Now, you're going to have to pay in order to get out of the deal. The builder will be able to sell the house because there's still a lot of demand. So that's your first option. Your second option is maybe the existing house that you're living in, you want to sell that and move into the new build. And, uh, you know, if, if this was strictly an investment, you don't like the area, all you did was buy it for investment, you don't want to leave your house. The third option is to assign your agreement of purchase and sale to someone else. So now we have to take a look at uh, your original agreement, see what your transfer fees would be. Some people will negotiate when they're buying a transfer fee, and it could be $2,500. I've, I've seen them as high as $20,000. And the builder basically uses that in order to do all the paperwork and transfer the deal. And obviously, they make money off it too. And also the legal fees, because you have to pay for your lawyer to transfer it and also the builder's lawyer's fees as well for the transfer. So you want to be able to make sure that the agreement is assignable. You also want to make sure that if the upgrades have not been done, that the new purchaser is able to go in and pick their own colors and things like that. So if you're doing an assignment, it's always best to try and do it before that's happened. Because once it's happened and you've picked colors according to your personal taste, other people may not like it. And that will hurt your chances of selling it. And finally, I mean, with assignments, it's it's tough because there's nothing for the people to go and touch and feel and see. So they're going in and they're looking at a pre-construction unit. Maybe it's just been framed. Maybe it's been bricked, but it's not there. So it is a tougher sell, but it is doable. So those are your three options. Would love to check out where this property is, get you some pricing on it, Mario, and then we can help you with the next step and, and see what fits your needs or, or what's the best case scenario for you. It sounds like no matter what, it's going to cost him money. This is not going to be something that you can just walk away from. No, you can't walk away because then the builder is in a position to see you for what they feel they're owed. And so you don't want to walk away. If anything, you want to negotiate with the builder to say, hey, you know, can you sell this for me? Because sometimes they have people looking for the lot that you have purchased. Sometimes they have people looking for the model and they may not have any more of those models available in the subdivision. So 
it's always best to negotiate with the builder. And uh, but we're seeing a lot of assignment sales over the last three months, too. So it's harder to sell an assignment. It takes a lot longer. There's a lot more conditions to be met. And there's lawyer approval that has to be done. So you want to make sure that you're doing the right thing for your family and and mitigate, sorry, mitigate your losses. So. Absolutely. Okay. Asif, just before we go, can you give us a sneak peek inside your hot listing of the week? Hot listing of the week, we're going to go to the Raymerville area in Markham. And this is a, a gorgeous four-bedroom home in Raymerville, 54 Sanderling Drive. It is backing onto Springdale Park, very close to Markville Mall and great schools. And, uh, you know, everything's been done in this house. So the bathrooms are renovated. The kitchen is renovated. The the basement's been finished. All the appliances are top-of-the-line professional quality appliances. There's a large family room. Now, in this area, since the homes are older, you're going to get those larger formal areas. So living room, dining room, family room, uh, gas fireplace in this house. And uh, so th- this has just hit the market, just over a million dollars. And for more information, I'm going to suggest uh, our listeners call Susan Taylor at 905-554-5522. Okay, so just go through it one more time for us. How many bedrooms, how many baths? Because it sounds like it's pretty close to move-in ready, this place. It is. They've done everything. So they've done the bathrooms, kitchens. The, the basement is gorgeous. And then uh, it backs onto a park. So, you know, you've got that privacy and, and serenity. It's right by Markville Mall. So all your amenities are right there. You could walk. You could, you know, take transit, short drive. It's 54 Sanderling, four bedrooms. It's absolutely gorgeous. It is just under $1.2 million, So, you know, it, it's it's a great lot. It's a 50-foot lot. It's 110 feet deep. So it's absolutely stunning. Terrific. Okay, that's our show for this week. And remember, if you need to connect with Asif Khan or if you missed any part of On the Market, go to our website, 1059theregion.com. Thanks for listening. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca.